welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show. From Austin, Texas, I'm the internet's Christopher Schmidt, and on today's show, I'm joined with Dan Brown, co-founder of H-Shapes, a UX design discovery shop that serves clients in healthcare, education, not-for-profit, and high-tech. He's recently authored a book called Practical Design Discovery, published by A Book Apart. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. Make plans for CSS DevConf 2017. Grab your tickets now and learn from Chris Coyer, Wes Boss, Mina Markham, Harry Roberts, Estelle Weil, and many, many more in New Orleans. Tickets are on sale now at cssdevconf.com. Again, at cssdevconf.com. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, and inspiration handpicked by yours truly. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the best links of the week sent to your email. Speaking of email, set it and forget it with the non-breaking space show newsletter. Whenever a new show is ready, it will be sent straight to your inbox. All you have to do is sign up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. And of course, you can find show notes and links discussed in today's episode at nonbreakingspace.tv. Be sure to follow me, the internet's Christopher Schmidt, on Twitter at Telejet, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. As always, thank you for telling others about Non-Breaking Space. Now, on with the show. Let me get some camera action here. There we go. Hey, man. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember me at all. We met at some conference somewhere along the way. (laughs) That is a great answer that I'll be using from now on. (laughs) <laughs> whenever someone says something like that to me before but uh yeah we met at uh pearson or new writers when they had a conference in uh, right. new, uh nashville I think yeah it. oh my gosh uh, yeah that, i i remember uh we hung out a bit there but i remember one of my fondest memories in this whole life mm-hmm. is wandering around nashville mm-hmm. with jeremy keith and uh gene smith yeah he just wandered around that conference that was amazing yeah yeah that's yeah and we uh we were with um aaron walter and yeah. but yeah we, we went to uh uh the guy the people who do gig posters in nashville i forget uh, i forget their their name that but they do a whole bunch of country stars and right right yeah right. stuff and then we just wandered around music yeah it was that was a great it's a great venue for a great city for a conference so yeah. So yeah. I'm yeah, I haven't back, been back to Nashville since. So <laughs> same here. So but um, that's that's the cool thing about the job and everything like that. But yeah, and I think your workshop was the first true workshop that I attended as like a um someone in the interactive, you know, industry or web design industry. So and I was really, really keen on seeing how you would handle a workshop. And uh so I learned a lot just by watching you handle that oh, workshop. That's- that's great. That must have been that must have been for my first book. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that that must have been on documentation. Yeah, I think it was. And uh, uh, you you took the time to get to know everyone, which is a lot of people, which were a lot of people. And uh, and I'm not sure you still do that or not, but uh, no. and uh, and just to find out what they were, what they wanted to do, what they want to get out of it, which I feel is like a really good thing to to do, and basically just check the temperature of the room and yeah. get people talking and some of that too. So I thought that was that's like. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So that's the that's when we met a long time ago, and <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so uh, but yeah, thanks for taking the time to uh, 
talk with me today. I guess I just want to get started and, and just uh, and say, ask you, uh, what's the greatest challenge facing the digital design industry today, knowing that, uh, you know, we've you've been in the industry for a long time. And how long, like, how long have you been working in the industry? Uh, well, I got started uh, in, shortly after I graduated from college, mm -hmm. which was in 1994. Okay. Um, uh, there was, which was right when it was all getting started. So there really wasn't, like, I didn't take any college classes in this stuff. I had just always been a bit of a computer nerd. Yeah. And when uh, computers became uh, a medium in and of themselves, right, when the digital delivery was a thing with the Internet, I just I found that incredibly appealing. Um, and, you know, back in those days, I was a jack of all trades. And I, I you know, the challenge back then was just, what are we doing, right? Yeah. And then the challenge became, holy moly, everyone is paying attention to what we're doing, so we should get good at it. Um, and I, I, I feel fortunate that I've been with the business, been in this industry for long enough to sort of pay attention to design trends. But also, I think what's far more interesting to us is, or far more interesting to me and to watch, is the how we do the work trends. Um, it used to be that you could be one person in a basement building a website that did something cool and interesting and maybe profitable. And now um, that is far harder to do that even if you start out like that, there's far more to uh, web architecture to marketing to sales to all of these things that make make a product good. Um, so it needs more people, right? And more people means more challenges. And I think, um, uh, you know, I've been watching uh, the conversation about uh, inclusivity pretty closely um, because I feel like this was a conversation that started in the 90s when I was in college. I went to a college that was very politically correct when that wasn't such a bad word. Um, and... Uh, it's been an interesting two decades now, you know, 20 years later to see those conversations are still happening. And I think they're still um, getting um, uh, we're, we're finally there's there's a, been a little bit of a breakthrough. Right. So I think we're, people are starting to finally hear some of these things, though, obviously, uh, it, it's not nearly enough. So what I want to see is or what I what I'm. What I think the biggest challenge is, is sort of continuing those conversations of how do we make working on the web, being on the web, safe for everybody. That's a big issue. I mean, even um, like Ev, who started Twitter and now is at Medium, you know, his, I think it was a New York Times piece. I, I hope if I remember that right. Uh, is this, I even said like, you know, Twitter was great and that we assumed that giving people all voices online would be a good thing. And then now he's. Uh, I'm not sure he said he was apologizing for that or or whatnot, but he just said like, "Hey, that's not not that's not how it's going." And so now with Medium, he's trying to um, I'm not sure curate is a word or cultivate is a better word, but trying to uh, I guess formulate and um, promote the uh, voices that that are more inclusive, I guess. In yeah, way. I mean, I I think it's I I do not envy him. I mean, uh, it's it is. Uh, to be sort of the um, at the at the focus of a lot of these conversations, um, because uh, 
in a sense, we've been asking these kinds of questions at least for 200 years, right? For, for you know, ever since there was a First Amendment, um, but in many ways longer. You know, what, is it, what does it mean to be inclusive? What does it mean uh, to give everyone a platform, to give everyone a voice? And, you know, what are the ethical considerations around how far that goes? I don't, I don't know that anyone, I don't see, I, I haven't seen any good answers uh, to, to those questions. So. And, and it's, yeah, it's a really, you know, just not, yeah, you're right. It's like a slippery slope when you want to say like, hey, let's turn, let's give people less freedoms, I guess. I don't know. So, but you still want right. people to have, a, 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 I guess, engaging dialogue. I'm not really sure. Like something that has like, because one of the things I find that uh, the internet has exposed me is that, you know, after like, I've been on the web, you know, since 93 is the same as you, like as, as long as, as you have. And it's just, and I felt like, yeah, we give people the voice, be great. And um, it's even challenged some of my notions, like, like even, you know, I, I don't want to like throw, throw an idea, but like things I've, I've held, like everyone surely agrees with X, Y, Z ish, you know, position on this, on this issue. There's like, right. it's just like, of course it makes sense that people would, and then you find people who just disagree or, right. or say, oh, it depends or something like, like, like really? And it just, it really like, <laughs> kind of like shakes me to our core. Like what we can't really agree on. Right. on fundamentals and much less what would those fundamentals be it's just kind of like oh i don't know <laughs> i don't know where we're going well yeah and the, and i feel like the hard part is like i want i want grown-ups to show up to those conversations you know i i they're hard and i want to have them and i i believe they're healthy but you also have to sort of be willing to sit and listen right you have to be willing to participate and part of participating means being a little bit vulnerable being a little bit open to attack being a little bit uh okay with being wrong and uh you know if that's maybe i've just defined uh, adulthood there <laughs> but you know that the i think the and i don't mean to sound like an old fart here but i feel like the 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 speed in which things are happening um and uh, makes it challenging for people to bring their fully actualized self, right? Their their adult version of themselves to the table every time, right? And that's and one of the things I think is also people just don't have the skill sets, or they it's really yeah. uh, to deal with it because like you go to you go to school or, or homeschool. You know, maybe homeschool is better for this, but uh, you go to school and they have like uh, you know a curriculum, and most of that it's like hard skills, but like not the soft skills. That I mean, you get soft skills from from, I guess you know from recess with your with your peers or hanging out with them. But if you're like at the same time, it's not really taught how to deal with other people, you know. And that's one of the things I like about your game. I'm not sure what your name. I actually researched the, your your game, but I forgot what the name. I didn't. Re, I forgot what the name of your, your game is. But I loved your game. I, I wish you like you know talk more about it. But I love the fact that uh, it gave you patterns. What we call patterns, or also yep. like techniques, is you know kind of a. You don't really use that word, but um, in terms of how to to deal with issues. So, if you could just uh, just summarize the, the game that you have there, that, that yeah, that's out there. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I I love talking about it. I mean, and I mean, this is sort of why I pay attention to things like inclusivity because I feel like there are um, there are uh, forces at work, right? Uh, tensions that that seep into uh, the the work that we do and how we work together, and part of the useful right part of those tensions are good they're healthy they're productive by you know chris and i disagreeing on what the design should be that's ultimately what makes the design 
better. Um, and I noticed about, uh, I guess it was five or six years ago now, I noticed that um, I was having the same situations on projects again and again. Like, I, you know, I'd been doing it, what, 10, 15 years by that point, And I feel, felt like uh, even though every project was different and special and fun in its own way, a lot of the situations that I uh, encountered on my very first project, I was still encountering on my hundredth project. Um, and those are things like uh, a stakeholder shows up late in the process and provides a lot of design feedback uh, all of a sudden out of nowhere, right? Uh, or a situation like uh, people don't uh, really understand um, or don't really care what uh, users uh, want, right? They've got their vision for what it is and they sort of uh they sort of push everything else to the side or they uh they think they know everything users want right so there are there are these tropes that as i say them i'm confident i'm hopeful that your listeners say oh yeah that sounds familiar oh yeah that sounds familiar and as i was thinking about them i started making inventory of them because that's you know i'm uh information architect so i make lists of things right so i made this list of all the situations that i encountered and then i also started making a list of well what are some of the techniques that i've heard of or that i use to dislodge right to to move these situations uh forward and that's the patterns that you're talking about are these kind of starting points that i use to sort of say okay uh you know they're talking about it in this way it I'm not getting through to them. What's another way I can get through to them? Okay, well, I'll I'll tie it back to a user story, right? Or I'll t I'll ask them a question. I'll try and get them to talk more about their perspective, or I'll just simply reflect their perspective back to them. So I have this sort of set of techniques that I almost draw upon automatically, um, or I've seen my colleague uh, draw upon, and. I wanted to create a way for people to practice these, to learn these. Uh, I play a lot of board games uh, with my family, uh, with my friends. Um, and so it was sort of this natural progression to go from, hey, I've got this list of situations and this list of patterns to how do I pull these together into a uh, a gaming session, a way to, way to play uh, a game. So, um, uh, yeah. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and what, and like, so you, from my, from my research is like, so it's like a game with, with problems. Like, so you have a card deck uh, with problems and then you have a, a, uh, another card deck of uh, techniques or patterns. And then you say like, and I, I assume it's like a, so you're given a problem and then you're supposed to find what type of solutions we can like, what are patterns we can use to address it. And that's, is that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a storytelling game. So if you and I are, I mean, it's better with people, but if, um, if, if we're playing with a group of people, one of the people plays a situation. So this is the first one I drew. This one is called Unreasonable Constraints. And then that person tells a story about how they are in a situation where, um, you know, one of the stakeholders has provided some really unreasonable constraints. Like, uh, you know, it needs to, I need to, uh, it needs to work on my phone and I need to see both the search results and uh, the uh, facets, the sorting facets or the filtering facets. Like I need, I need to be able to see both at the same time on my handset. You're like, well, that's an unreasonable constraint, right? So now I've told a story. So then the other players around the table um, have these cards that I call pattern cards, right? And they pick one. They pick one that says um, uh, that they think would help solve the problem 
right? Um, so if I've just picked this one. This one is called Set Reasonable Expectations, right? So you might say, all right, I hear you. I hear that you want to try and accomplish that. We're going to put some ideas on the table. I have never seen this done well. I'm setting reasonable expectations. But hey, let's draw some pictures and see what we can what we can get to, right? So the intent is for the players of the game to tell stories about the situations, tell stories about how they would solve the situations um, in a safe space, right? So you're not doing it um, in front of your client. You're not doing it uh, with your stakeholders. You're doing it with your team outside the context of a project. So then your team afterwards can talk about what are the different techniques that they use, what was comfortable, what was uncomfortable, what worked, what didn't work, that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think it's, and uh, people can, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy a deck. So yeah, and people can buy it on, we'll have a link in the show notes for people to buy it, but I think it's great. That'd be great. Yeah. I think it just goes back to, you know, I, you know, just bring it back. It's like the reason why we bring it up is is just because of the soft skills and and getting to know situations and and how to counter them. And so that uh, you not counter, but, you know, address them head on and, and make sure people can, you know, get work done, you know, and, and have build, productive relationships and uh, yeah I, yeah i mean that's that's exactly right and yeah. and it's it's uh i i would uh periodically i run sessions uh of the game at our local general assembly here in washington dc because uh, they acknowledge that they can teach them all the technical skills that they need mm. to be a user experience designer but being a ux designer isn't just running a usability test throwing together a wireframe, right? It's being at the center of a team and working with lots of different people who have lots of different perspectives, inevitably conflict comes up. We, we had gotten it to a point where I would come in following the first group project of the students. So they understood what was at stake, right? They understood the uh, or at least had an inkling of the challenges that they would face because this was probably, for many of them, the first time they had had to work in a collaborative setting in a group setting like this. Um, and so that the time was right uh, to reflect on it. Go back to, go back to like uh, starting out and versus now and, and specializing. So like, you know, you said like, you know, in the nineties it was uh, like, you know, Jack of all trades. And then I guess you, you started H eight uh, shapes. Uh, when did you start that? And, and was that like when you decided to kind of specialize into design discovery type of type of things? Um, no, actually, um, I had been doing, uh, web design for about 10 years. Um, and I moved, so I got started in, in North Carolina, um, in Durham. Cool. Uh, yeah, I met, I met my wife down there and, um, uh, after living down there for a few years, we got married and decided to move to, to Washington, DC. Um, we moved here in 97, and um, I joined a huge internet consulting company called US Web, um, which sounds so dated as it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> um, and uh, after that, I kind of jumped around a little bit to different government contracting uh, gigs, um, which back then was not sexy, but today is very sexy or used to be sexy. Anyway, um, uh, so I was actually at a, at a job uh at the FCC, um, and I had met my business partner uh, probably a few years before, and he and I had stayed in regular touch, referring jobs to each other, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, he contacted me, and he was like, "We should start our own thing. There's nothing like 
adaptive path in the DC area. And that was kind of our model was adaptive path at the time. They had been around since 2001, I think 2002. And, um, so this was 2006 and, uh, you know, I was, I was very happy in my cushy government contracting job. I mean, it was regular hours. They, I showed up at eight, I left at five, no mess, no fuss. Right. Um, no craziness. Um, but then, uh, my wife got pregnant and, um, uh, I realized that being chained to my desk, uh, for eight hours a day, there was at that time, there was no sort of work from home flexibility. So, uh, 40 hours a week at my desk was really, was not something that I realized how I wanted to spend uh, my life. Um, so, you know, I was a very risk averse person, but suddenly having a kid, made the risk worth it. Um, and so Nathan dragged me, Nathan is my business partner. He dragged me kicking and screaming, uh, into this life. Um, and I have not regretted it for a moment. I've oh. just, I've uh, loved what he and I have built together, uh, over the last 10 years. So nice. Cool. Yeah. And then, um, and Nathan is, uh, it's Nathan Curtis. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. 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 He's, uh, he's doing great stuff on uh, design systems lately. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was so far ahead of his time. He wrote a book back in 2009 called Modular Web Design, um, which was really, I mean, just, I mean, if you know Nathan, you know, like it was deliberate, it was thoughtful, it was considered, um, it was detailed. Um, it was it was a fantastic book, but it was, in a sense, not something that uh, people were thinking about at that stage. But I think development frameworks and uh, the institutionalization of design in-house has really made design systems a, uh, a in, in high demand. Uh, and so he's really been at the forefront of this. I mean, he's led now dozens of design systems projects uh, and really just built up an incredible amount of knowledge uh, around not just what is a design system, but what is the what is the organization around it? Um, and how do people need to configure themselves in order to help the design system and ultimately the company at large thrive? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we had him speak at, um, on, on, on a, I forget which summit it was, but he did just a great job and talk about, talk about design systems and everything like that. So yeah, that's, that's, and I, I feel like, you know, we talk about like being in, in the web since nineties, Nineties, and I just—it just feels like it's a right step, you know. Like Nathan, of course, been there for, for but it just feels like seeing it go from a page metaphor to uh, to a modular, you know, component manager uh, system just seems right. It just seems like, and what they're doing with uh, you know design tokens and uh, storybook now—it just it seems, seems with React, I just feel like yeah, that makes so much sense in terms of being able to be flexible and modular. And I don't think we've we've gotten there without mobile exploding, but but uh, but yeah, I just feel like yeah, this is it makes sense. I'm not too keen on CSS being my JavaScript, but that's just me. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like that's that seems uh, to be the way we're about going to. So, but where do you see? You know, maybe you talk with uh, well, how do you guys see since uh, the future going from from here on out? Like in terms of, I know that's a big loaded question. So yeah, I mean. Um the I don't know there's lots of ways to to 
uh, I don't know. Can I say skin that cat? <laughs> sure. I don't, I don't actually own any cats, so <laughs> I'm totally okay with the metaphor. But I know there are cat lovers among us. So you literally uh, have no skin in the game, I guess. Is what you're saying. I literally have <laughs> no, no cat, cats. No cat in the game. <laughs> okay. Um, I just found a new Twitter feed, a new Twitter account that's uh, cats in a sink, <laughs> and it's all pictures of a cat sitting in a sink. <laughs> different cats just sitting in different sinks, obviously, but. Um, you know, I didn't think that's why the internet was invented, but here we are. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, I, I don't know. There's a lot of noise, and there's there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, I feel like I would have a hard time putting into words sort of the the trends or the phases that internet development has gone through, internet design, web design has gone through, um, but I feel like there's sort of periods of turmoil. And periods of calm, right? And I feel like we're in one of those periods of turmoil. Lots of tools, lots of approaches, lots of questioning what we used to do, right? So I feel like, um, you know, over the last five years, there's been a lot of emphasis on uh, agile philosophies uh, as applied to web design. And now we're starting to see a couple of articles coming out like, hey, maybe this isn't the best way of doing things, right? So there are these, there are these moments where we have a new idea, and then we start to pull those ideas down, right? And I feel like we're we're at this moment where some where some ideas are crescendoing, like design systems, um, and uh, where other ideas we're starting to sort of question them. Um, I I feel like um, uh, what I'm most interested in, what I remain interested in, is the study of how we work together and how we be creative together and really creativity is the other side of that's the other thing that i'm interested in is how do we in fast moving environments in uh highly collaborative environments in environments where many design problems are already solved right that's what a design system is um how do we how do we be our most creative most innovative uh selves um I uh, I just noticed um, the guy who wrote that book uh, called Sprint, uh, and one of the one of the guys from Google um, is kind of doing a sabbatical at IDEO. He just wrote this little Medium post about it, um, where he wants to try and discover what creativity is. Which that's awesome. Go for it. I've I read a bunch of books on creativity. Uh, in leading up to my last book, uh, Practical Design Discovery. And what I love about the topic is it is so complicated and so hard to unpack and so many different perspectives that, that you can have. Um, but my hope, if it's not my prediction anyway, my hope is that we see a lot more of this kind of reflecting on how do we be our most creative selves? How do we bring not just design thinking, but creativity to bear on uh, the work that we're doing? Um, when you were talking about uh, design systems, what I was thinking about is how Nathan's work and my work kind of feed into each other. Um, insofar as Nathan's work on design systems is really trying to set up an infrastructure to help a design team focus on the harder problems, right? And those harder problems are the subject of discovery, right? We spend time researching and thinking about um, these harder design problems so we know how to solve them because a lot of other uh, of our design problems, like what a dropdown should look like or how it should behave, those have been solved by the design system. And then, uh, but well, so I don't go back to your, 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 I guess your latest book, yeah. Practical Design Discovery, which is your, I guess your third book, right? 
Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. As a book writer, author, I know it's those moments should be celebrated <laughs> very well. They, you know, they get it's getting harder to yeah. write a book. It's not getting easier, which was not something I could have predicted. But um, I don't know if it's because I'm older, I have more to say, or I feel entitled to say more, which may be really what's going on. Um, but uh, the the this was a new publisher, and I got to say, the team had a book apart. I, I never felt more uh, taken care of uh, as, as an author. I really felt like um, they were taking care of me as an author, but they were also taking care of the product. And and I think we have a, a much better product because of that. And I'm really proud of this one. Well, I have to ask, like, like, in what ways do you feel like uh, they they took care of you and, and the material as an author? Because I'm just curious, because I've written several books, and I just want to compare notes, I guess, for if you don't mind me talking shop for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, here's what I, this is not to disparage any other oh, no. publisher or anything else, right? It's just my experience at a book apart was what I needed it to be, which is I had one person there that I could talk to. Right. And she was always there to take my call, to talk me down, to talk me up, right. To do whatever I needed as an author, right. Because a designer and an author are actually, I feel like I, I embody two different personalities when I'm when I'm these things, right? The author is far in me is far more precious, far more emotional, far more dramatic, I guess, melodramatic than the designer uh, in me. Um, and so, having someone there who's uh, thinking about the product just as much as I am, uh, but also there to kind of um, uh, steady me when I, when I needed studying, uh, was great. Um, they also brought, um, some real, just some strong editorial support. Um, I was, I was, uh, too ambitious with this book, uh, and they, they helped me, uh, be more realistic, uh, with, with the outcome. The thing was probably twice as long, um, and I've never had to cut so much and it's never hurt so much to cut so much, but, um, but the truth is that the stuff that we cut was not good. It was not my best voice. And I, I think these guys really helped me find a, a much better voice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I just, yeah. Thanks for, for sharing that. I just, I just feel like it's, uh, one, it's good to know people who I, I encourage people to write, you know, either it's not a book or just blog uh, per se, but uh, just to realize that, you know, the amount of effort that goes into a production like that. And it's also like making sure you have a good team around you uh, when that, when you do get that opportunity. To do it so cool awesome that's yeah i've never heard nothing but i've always heard only good things about book apart so yeah in the process yeah. so it was it was great and they used they used brown for the cover yeah which which, which I, I yeah how do you feel about that i i that was i asked for it okay I mean, <laughs> um you know i had some there were some favorite colors that my kids had that i that i was like oh maybe i'll use one of their favorite colors but you know, I realized that was sort of treading in areas that I didn't feel comfortable treading on. So I just went with the visual pun. Um, I feel like it's a dad joke. That's what, you know, I, I'm just articulating this for the first time. And I feel okay with that. Okay, so. good. Yeah, I must admit, like, I have, like, uh, I was, I got the preview copy uh, so I could uh, review it before we talked. And I have, like, so I have a massive uh, book apart books. And I was like, okay, so which one of these? And these small icons is Dan's book. Like, oh, it's the brown one. <laughs> it's, <just> like, <laughs> it's the brown one. It's the brown one. Yeah, exactly. But, I, I mean, the, the name is pretty useless otherwise. Right. So I figure <laughs> if it helps with your wayfinding, yeah. and it that appeals to the information architect in me too. Well, just well to tell you how, how like 
it took me like two days to figure that out. So I just went like, no. <laughs> Was, okay, fine. I was like, so I kept like clicked a lot of books before I found you. Like, oh wait, <laughs> of course it makes sense. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so your book is about uh, design discovery, and um, correct me at any point if I'm wrong. Uh, the dis- design discovery phase is the phase that you put before building a project or whatever, and then, uh, like you know, because usually like you know back in the '90s, especially, you would see like here's this four or five point path our web agency will take to build your website one uh we build it no <laughs> so we, we we build it and then we toss it your way and then we revise it and then we launch and so that was pretty much it and then we started saying like no we'll first we add on this uh this extra phase the beginning of it and we'll uh call this design discovery and uh or design or re, you know it different names for it but basically we'll try to figure out what you want to build and i could never you know, I think our clients were like, didn't want that a lot of times, but it was just, it felt like hard to convince clients that, yeah, we need to figure out what you want built, even though you know you want, you, th- you say you want built, but you don't know exactly how you want it built. And so we need to have these conversations. And so a lot of times we would talk to clients uh, back when we had a web, when I was part of a web agency, and I, they would be hard pressed to spend money uh, to further define what they wanted built you know if it was just like oh we just need to redesign of our website go to it and like well no we need to figure out what it is and whatnot and so that so um and so that's what i liked about having your book was that it actually kind of like explores in detail in terms of the process and um the importance of it in terms of that but but yeah so i just i feel like uh i don't have much of a question here it's just i feel like like I guess do do you still get like a, like a lot of blowback uh, from clients, or is that just me in my experience? I was just in terms of of of, of dealing with clients. So uh, you know, it's it's uh, I've had this question a few times now, um, and I, I think there's this misconception, um, and I'm I, I hope I I do a good job of trying to set the record straight at least a little bit in the book. We've always I think because of the reason that you mentioned that we've thought of discovery as a separate thing from design. And I don't think that's a good way of looking at it. I think discovery is a part of design. When you say I'm going to design something, you're saying I need to do a little bit of discovery before I can put, before I can make any decisions about it. Right. It's sort of like, how do I, when you, even when you, a client says to you, come and redesign my website, but don't do any discovery. You can say, okay. Right. But as soon as you walk in the door, you're going to ask a question. Well, is this content still important? Or uh, do you want us to touch the navigation, right? In a sense, just by virtue of asking the questions, just by virtue of of um, being curious about what the problem is, you are doing discovery. Because discovery is, in my opinion, clarifying your understanding of the problem and imagining what the solution could be or will be, right? You don't necessarily realize every last little detail, right? That's that's the other parts of design, but there's a part of design that's sort of making sure that you and I are talking about the same thing. Uh, and you know, in in the best cases, uh, you as the client admit we don't know everything we need. We know, we we don't know everything we you need to know about this project. So go do some research, or go ask some users, or um, go do some prototype testing, or something. Right? Do something to expand your knowledge. Right? That's the best case. 
Worst case is we're making a lot of assumptions, right? But at least we have a chance to ask those questions. So uh, another question I get is, so do you sell discovery projects? And the truth is I do. I mean, I, you know, I got to put food on the table. So, um, but I also feel like there's uh, the demand that I'm seeing in the industry now is we have we have a room full of designers that are solving lots of, of our little problems. What we need help with is we've got a big problem that we don't understand and we need your help understanding it, but we just don't want a report at the end. We don't want just you to do a presentation and then leave, right? What we want to do is set ourselves up uh, to build something afterwards. So my discovery work always entails building uh, a little bit and then, refining and then building right it's it's the thing that we've heard from the lean ux folks from you know from user-centered all the way back to user-centered design right build a little bit test it refine it this process is really important because i don't feel like we can truly understand a problem until we solve it a little bit right just to go back to creativity this is what we know about creativity right you don't just get an idea in your head right you think about the problem space a little bit. You try and solve it a little bit, right? And that's when the the ideas, uh, the real ideas, uh, start to flow. So that's that's how I would characterize uh, discovery. I don't know if that changes your impression of uh, it. No, or, yeah, no. I think it's I think it's something that needs to be done, and I feel like you're right because, uh, uh, you know, I think it's just maybe that I had the wrong clients. To be honest. So, <laughs> so I'm not. I'm willing. It's it's been some years since then, so I'm okay to. I'm okay to say that, but uh, they won't like. You're you're talking about me, like no, uh, <laughs> uh, no. It's just I feel like uh, you know, it is part of the project, and it just I feel like um, you know if if and at this point, like I think I've learned that if a client balks at uh, like a discovery process, you know maybe you know we're not right for each other to, to work around the project, which is like totally a mature human thing to say, you know, just to uh, say like, okay, cool, that's okay. There's there's other things I could I could be working on. So and. Um, well, and I'm always I'm always curious, like wh- why, like, uh, and and sometimes the sometimes the answer is, well, we've done all the research that that we need to do, which is fine. Um, the outcome of discovery is not just the knowledge, but the design direction, right? So, and maybe they say, oh no, we've designed, you know, we've got a set of wireframes already. We just want you to whatever design the rest of them or or skin them with our style, or you know what? That's great. There are college kids or whatever who can do that kind of work or there are shops that are specializing in that kind of work, but there are, but that's not us. That's not what, what we do. Right. Exactly. So, and yeah, so that's exactly. So I feel like that's part of, part part of the thing. So, uh, so, so reading the book, I was like, Oh, okay. This, and also part of me was also, you know, someone who likes to build things and get started building right away. It was also a nice understanding of what a discovery process looks like, you know, in terms of, what the shape is and the tools involved. And, you know, like I talked about the card game earlier, it's like, oh, that's great. Cause then we can actually find those soft skills to help answer these questions. And also I think, I think that I had the greatest laugh is to uh, walking through the uh, problem statements that you have uh, section. Uh, I think it was that uh, project, project objectives. And so um, it was like, uh, what was it? What was examples were um, uh, Frankensteining was the best one. I think that was the, the funniest one. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Frankie's eyes like, well, well, what do you want to build? Like, well, we want to build a, a little know, bit of everything. Everything of like, you know, a Skype that meets Uber that meets, uh, <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, no. Like, and so, uh, um, so I'm trying to figure out the person who has like the list of them is Steven. 
Steven Anderson. Steven Anderson, yeah. So he has like, yeah. yeah, the problem with problem statements, I believe is what he called it. So, and the other one was like amplifying feedback, which I thought was a great one. So like, so problem statements, I think you have like, let me know if I'm wrong in terms of you know, I'm paraphrase. It's just like you want to find out what type of what you what you want to design, what the solution is going to be. But first, you need to figure out what the problem statement is, like what we're going to solve. And so you talk about uh, forming a correct problem statement, and you and one of the things you you you, uh, you uh, get to that point is to say like, okay, here's some really bad problem statements that, uh, and here's a list of the Stephen Emerson said. But what, the other one that I really liked was uh, amplifying feedback, and that's the one where I think. Uh, you know, we've like we got five customers that say uh, X Y Z is really good or really bad. So therefore, we this is the problem, and it's like, well, no, we actually need to figure out like is that is the real problem or there's something underlining to it and and are they, those are the only ones who complained, right? Yeah, we have a million customers, but those five said that there's something wrong, right? Well, you could say, well, if we extrapolate from that, maybe there's, but I think doing some research to to validate those what you learn there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what I the way I like to characterize a problem statement is um, uh, you've got an audience in mind, and they perceive or they feel like the world is broken for them, or maybe they don't even know that the world is broken for them in some way, right? So, uh, the problem statement helps all of us on the team agree on here's what's broken in the world for whom and why why that's a bad thing uh, for them. Um, I think coming to that agreement is not sufficient, right? It's necessary, but it's not sufficient, right? It's it's something that's important for me to do so that we all feel like um, uh, we know what we're trying to do, know why we're here. Um, but at the same time, um, uh, if I end my discovery just by articulating a problem statement, I haven't done enough. I, I haven't validated that I feel confident that uh, that problem exists because problems are things that I can observe maybe. Um, but they are still sort of things just in our mind, right? Uh, once I start to figure out, once I internalize the problem and start to figure out how I might fix that part of the world, um, I can, I can validate if this is genuinely a problem, uh, for, for people or not. So I do work for an organization where, um, they come up with a lot of, Actually, let me tell a different story. I was doing, I was doing some. Uh, uh, H shapes occasionally does some government contracting, and we showed up. Um, we were going to sub to a much larger government integrator, and uh, my colleague James and I showed up to this meeting, and they were like, "So, we already designed the dashboard that these government people are going to are going to want." And James and I started asking a lot of questions about it. And what was clear, this is sometimes how things work in the government, where they sort of, in order to get the funding, they need to show you what they're going to build, even though they don't really know what they should build, right? And as we were asking questions, it was abundantly clear that they had made a lot of assumptions, but maybe this part of the world wasn't really broken, right? Maybe there wasn't a real need here. They hadn't identified that there was a, a real need uh, there. So... Um, I feel like uh, one of the things that discovery helps with is, uh, yeah, I think this part of the world is broken. Let's start to solve it a little bit. And that helps us really understand what that means. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just, I think if I can say like, just in terms of like, it just, clarif it just clarifies and you, 
the uh, the mystery of the problem. Like, is it just it's like so? Is this really the problem? Like you said before, is like, or is it something else that's really broken? And so I feel that's very good. And so and um, and another part is like the uh, double diamond uh, uh, diagram, which I've never seen before. But you know, Peter Mayholtz, I think is yeah, it came up with. I'd never seen that before, and I follow Peter. Uh, pretty good, but uh, I missed that one. Uh, wow! So yeah. he, he talks about that one a lot. Yeah, I think I've, I think I pretty much missed that one completely. So, but yeah, but in terms of uh, in terms of the discovery phase and everything, I felt like, oh, okay, this is this is how. It, so it's it's a book. I think people should pick it up if you're not even who would be part of the phase. Which I kind of weird, but I think if everyone who's involved in the web or building an app should be should, should pick up uh, the design discovery book because I feel like it's it helps clarify a lot of. Of issues, and for me, you know, someone who's a coder, uh, who's who's journalist, I think journalist from the '90s, and wants to understand like how to put the best face forward into solving projects. I think this is a really great book. So, really, thanks. I mean, what I what I was trying to do was um, be as process agnostic as I could be. So the the book doesn't say these are the exact steps you need to follow to do discovery. what I do is I give you sort of four uh, categories of things that uh, one does in discovery, everything from gathering information all the way to planning, uh, you know, what what the solution is. Um, so there are these four things, and I see them as dials that I can turn, right? And depending on my circumstance, I might have only, you know, one day to do all four things, right, because I'm in that kind of environment. Well, I can turn those dials down to one and still do a little bit of discovery just to build up my confidence in right. the decisions that I need to make later. Right. And I think uh, in this world today, like you need to have as much, uh, you know, evidence, if you will, like, you know, data or, and to be able to understand and read the data that make sure that you're on the right path. I think that's is so important uh, uh, in this day and age. Like, I think it's kind of, kind of a sin if you don't have it, uh, if, if I may say so, like if you don't have that research to back up your design directions. But I, I still see a lot of people like just like, I'll just build it and you know, like, okay, well, it's cool if it's your project, but like a hobby, but you may want to even then you still want to like test things out and make sure you're, you're, you're building it. But if you just want to see it, just see how it works. That's cool. But, but yeah, but yeah, cool. Uh, but yeah, so I think also, I think it kind of comes to the point, I think you said like, uh, Hopefully I get this right, but so the hardest part of design isn't doing the design, but it's the, but it's the people. Is that right? Is that get that phrase yeah, right? I, yeah, yeah. So I wrote a, a book. My second book is called Designing Together, which is all about collaboration and conflict. And right. um, yeah, that was that was sort of the the thrust of the book. Yeah. Is let, let's talk about design, uh, but not how to do design, but how to work with everyone right. on the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I think this is. Uh, so I, I'm just here. I had to be a shameless blow so much smoke. Well, everybody just felt like it was a great book, uh, Design Discovery, and the the game uh, card game looks awesome in terms of helping people with the social skills, the soft skills, if you will, to solve the problem. So, um, but yeah, I'm really glad I took the time to, to read the book and and talk to you, oh, talk to you today. So it's really great. Um, and I probably will have you back on later just to answer more questions as I go through the material. <laughs> just like, oh, sure. Yeah, that's great. But uh, how can people find you and find the books online on, and uh, if, if they want to ask you any questions or not, you know, how can they get, sure. get, get I, I, 
Yeah, I love talking shop. So I love talking about uh, collaboration or discovery. Um, I'm uh, Twitter is I spend way too much time uh, on there for a middle aged white man. But um, I am Brownarama at uh, on Twitter. Uh, I have uh, medium articles uh, uh, under that username uh, as well. Eight Shapes has a has a little publication up on medium that we uh, both Nathan and I post a lot uh, too. So that's that's where I'm at. Cool. And where can people uh, get the uh, board game and or the card game? Sorry. And- yeah, actually, uh, my so if you go to greenonions.com, that's my personal uh, domain. Um, I've actually got a medium publication attached to that, and that's got listings for all my books uh, and the and the card game surviving design projects. Okay, cool, cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today, and uh, and have a great uh, weekend. So- yeah, it was. Great catching up with you, Chris. Thanks so much.